tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. There's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Hold on, everyone. I'm trying to make my computer do what I want it to do. Good grief. (laughs) Well, let's just pray. That will help. I know it will help. It's a new year. It's an old computer in the name of the, and an old man running it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think one computer started to do what it's supposed to do. And now the other one is 96% complete. Oh, well. Good grief. You, good grief. You'd expect nothing nothing less, would you? All right, that said, let's go to the readings. Ancient, ancient Greek stuff I can manage. All right. I'm going to start with, um, let's see here. What am I starting with? I, hmm. I'm starting with the readings of the day at the USCCB site. Uh, we got readings for the day and readings for the feast. So um, I'm going to start with the readings for the day. This is uh, St. John's first letter, the second chapter, the 22nd verse. And this is a really odd take on this passage. Oh, good. Computer number two is restarting. <laughs> There's hope. Okay. Who is the liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Who are we talking about? Oh, my computer just decided to work on updates. All right, where were we? Uh, who is the liar? We read in the Holy Scriptures that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. We're talking about the devil here. Whoever denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. Now, that word Antichrist means against Christ, against the Messiah. That's what's going on here. The ultimate Antichrist, I would say, is the devil himself. Now, it is generally suspected that the Antichrist is a real person who will appear in history. It's one of the five signs of the end, supposedly. Um, and, and I think my computer is kind of Antichrist, but I won't get into that <sighs> moving along. Um, but I think there's some important stuff in here, no matter what our thoughts are about the Antichrist. You know, this idea of the Antichrist is... Uh, and the five 
I, I can never remember all five of them. It's conversion of the Jews, um, the spreading of the gospel to all nations, um, and so on and so forth. And and one of them is the Antichrist, who's a world leader. I don't know that that's part of the deposit of faith, but it's a long and strong tradition. The Antichrist is certainly mentioned in Scripture, but we read here that there are many Antichrists. In other words, the Antichrist is not just one person. We read in St. John that, that there are a lot of people who are Antichristos, against the Messiah. And it is fascinating that we have entered into a, one of the signs is the great apostasy. And we have entered into a time where at least Europe and, and the, the European satellite countries like America and Australia and New Zealand and, you know, uh, um, the Irish won't like this, but I'll say Ireland, where mostly English is spoken. That European world is is really rejecting Christ in a big way. Uh, Western Europe, Germany, it, I, I, I grieve for the land of my ancestors. But uh, all that, I don't need to share all that with you. But uh, this idea of being against the Messiah, you're not allowed, are you allowed to say Merry Christmas in a store? I didn't think it was, I think it's against the law, that sort of thing. Um, no, it's not. Uh, so... This idea of Antichrist, someone who is against the Christ, and the this long-standing belief is there will be an Antichrist, but I, again, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm content to deal with the Antichrists <laughs> with whom we deal every day. That's enough. Okay. What is the sign of the Antichrist? The sign of the Antichrist is he denies that the Messiah has come in the flesh. This is real important. Um, let me see where I should look that up. But yeah, the idea that that uh, um, uh, the the Messiah has come in the flesh is a very important idea for us. And so many people say, well, the Catholic Church. You know, you'll find fanatical evangelicals who'll say things like, uh, "Oh, the Catholic Church is the Antichrist." I go up to an altar every day, and I say, "This is my body. This is my blood." Not only do I affirm that Jesus, the Messiah, came from heaven and came in the flesh, I affirm that he remains in the flesh. Our religion as Catholics is built around uh, the Messiah coming in the flesh. Uh, I would say those who deny transubstantiation, those who say, nah, it's just, it's just bread and wine, it's symbolic, it's not real, I would say those people are antichrist. They deny the coming of the Lord in the flesh. And, you know, uh, in this coming of the Lord in the flesh, I think the rosary is real important to that. I, I've shared this with you quite a lot. Uh, that, that uh, oh, by the way, that, that line, um, uh, it's 1 John 4, 2, by this you know and recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges in confession that Jesus, the Messiah, has come in the flesh is from God. That John 4, 2. We're jumping a little ahead of the reading uh, today, but it has to do with this, this idea of Antichrist. How did Jesus defeat the devil in the desert? By quoting Scripture. That's how he did it. He quoted the Holy Scriptures. When the devil said, fall down and worship me, Jesus responded with a word of scripture, the Lord thy God thou shalt worship alone. Okay. Uh, Turn these stones into bread. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every stone 
uh, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus quoted scripture to defeat the devil. The devil cannot resist or refute the Holy Scriptures. He can confuse our interpretation of them, but but they stand like roadblocks in his way. What do you do when you when you say the rosary? That's that's why I believe the rosary, you know, you shouldn't say the rosary, you're worshiping Mary and you oh there's all that stuff about Mary and nothing about Jesus. These are people who don't understand the rosary who who talk that way. The rosary's all about Jesus. It's it's fifty three times you quote scripture. Well, actually, if you move the Our Fathers, you quote scripture what fifty eight times. Uh, you quote scripture, slapping the devil, reminding him that the Messiah, the Word of God, the Son of David from the heavenly throne, genuinely came in the flesh. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It affirms that the flesh is sacred. And so what you're doing when you're saying the rosary is you are affirming that that the Messiah came in the flesh 53 times. That's breathtaking. The rosary, that's why I think the rosary is a powerful, powerful vehicle. The Hail Mary is a powerful vehicle to be used in spiritual warfare. And we're not worshiping Mary. We're not talking about the Blessed Virgin. We're talking about the coming of the Messiah in the flesh with great gratitude toward that that valiant young woman, the mother of the church and the mother of us all, the mother of Jesus, who, you know, I, I, I've shared with you the idea that that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, if you're a, a believing uh, traditional Christian, you know that our Blessed Mother had only one child. The supposed brothers of the Lord were not children of the Blessed Mother. That's just not biblical. But um, <clears throat> God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So did she. And we have this great gratitude toward that that wonderful woman and mother, the very paradigm, the very symbol of the church. That said, what we're doing when we say the rosary is we are affirming that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Mary, came in the flesh. And so the, the rosary itself is a prayer in opposition to the Antichrist. I really believe that. And, you know, I, I was in a seminary that did not encourage, uh, <coughs> excuse me, did not encourage devotion to the Blessed Mother. And then the seminary I taught in, you could actually get in trouble for saying the rosary too frequently. I'm not making that up. It was a disaster. And it's why we're in this current mess. Nip it in because the bud. We should have nipped it in the well, Actually, there were some guys who would sneak down into the basement and say the rosary covertly. I will not identify them, but you know who you are. So um, understand what the rosary is. The rosary is a repetition of the words of Scripture to which we add our appropriate gratitude to the Blessed Mother. Excuse me, where's the cough button? First, first of the year. I'm fine. Um, so, again, this idea of Antichrist, it's a very real idea. And it is fascinating to me that those people who accuse Catholicism of being the Antichrist and of worshiping Mary do not understand the Rosary and they do not understand Mass. The Rosary and the Mass are conclusive proofs that we are not Antichrist. And those people who deny 
the, 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 the truth of transubstantiation and those people who deny the pivotal role of the Blessed Mother in the Incarnation. Those people, I suspect, of being Antichrist. Well, that's just me. All right, moving along here. So if you don't, if you don't say the rosary, learn about it. It is, it is a, uh, again, it's only in my old age that I have, I have gotten to the point where the rosary has become very important to me. All right, let's go. Uh, say that again, uh, the voice in my head. I was just, this is live. I was going to do a plug. Uh, Father Rocky's saying it at Seek this week. The Family Rosary Across America is live at the Seek conference, the Focus conference in St. Louis. Oh, the fo- Focus conference. Yes. Yes. Good plug. Yes. And, and um, uh, it's just, join him. It's a great thing. Yeah, that, that, that's the a Seek, S-E-E-K. It sounds like S-I-K-H, Father Rocky's going to a conference with the Sikhs who are a sect from India. No, no, Seek, S-E-E-K. I wonder if they realize that might be, con- never mind. Okay, let's go to John, the first chapter in the Gospel. The testimony of John, when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, who are you? He admitted it and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. All right. This is interesting. Um, The Gospel of John and the Book of Acts, oddly enough, not the Book of Luke, but the Book of Acts, to the modern readers, seem anti-Semitic. So when the Jews from Jerusalem, again, the word Jew does not appear in the New Testament in Greek. The word eudaios does, which means Judean. Now, this is important. Uh, people talk about the state of Israel. Evangelicals love to talk about the state of Israel as the ingathering of Israel. The state of Israel, and I'm not going to get into politics here. The state of Israel is not the ingathering of Israel uh, promised in the scriptures. It does seem to be related to the the fact that that um, uh, the, the people we call Jews, uh, who I firmly believe are <laughs> descended from, oh, good grief, now I've stepped in it. There are all sorts of people who want to say that European Jews are not Semitic. DNA tests have been done, and they most certainly are. Uh, <clears throat> as with any ethnic group, there's a lot of admixture, but it is very clear that the genetic material that makes up most Jews, Sephardi, which are the Mediterranean Jews, and Ashkenazi, the Northern European Jews, that they are substantially a Middle Eastern population and very genetically cohesive. So that that's a uh, just a red herring, as they say. Um, but uh, uh, you got to remember, Israel had twelve tribes, and the tribe of Judah is one tribe. The state of Israel may be the ingathering of the tribe of Judah, but there are 12 other tribes. And of course, there are a lot of Levites in, in, in mixed in with that. So two tribes. I have no idea what, what, if, if it has some, if, if that political entity, which was not a religious, it was not founded on religious grounds. It was, uh, uh, founded as a secular, not a secular state, a Jewish state, but, but, uh, not necessarily a religious Jewish state. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I think that we have to understand the church, this is going to offend all sorts of people, the church is the ingathering of Israel because Israel, those the, the so-called ten lost tribes, as well as, as uh, uh, the tribes in the south, have mixed into to, uh, 
the genetics of all the world. I'll never forget. I was, I was in a, an appliance goods store, and there was a man from India, a delightful fellow, and his name was uh, his last name was Benjamin. And uh, uh, I said, Benjamin, uh, are you one of the? Uh, 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 oh gosh, what's the name of that community of Jews? The coaching, the coaching community of Jews from Southern India. He said, You know about us? I said. Well, certainly I do. That there was a Jewish presence in India from the times of the first temple, uh, you know. And he said, "I something else." I said, "You have the Cohen gene." He said, "You know about the Cohen gene." In other words, he was descended from Aaron. Looked perfectly Indian. Sounded perfectly Indian. Was descended from Aaron. Uh, so the 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 genetic material of Israel is scattered through the world, and. Uh, the idea that, that people of all nations are gathered into the church, uh, the universal church, the Catholic church, I think this is significant because the church is the ingathering of the house of Israel. And those of us like me who have no uh, genetic uh, uh, contribution from Israel, I, I did all those crazy tests and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty German, trust me. <clears throat> We're grafted in. And, you know, well, this is all kind of obscure. No, I think it's it's true that, that we're the, the ingathering of, of, of uh, uh, Israel. I, I believe that, that, that uh, the church is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, what about this when Jews from Jerusalem, that anti-Semitic sounding? you got to understand the strong tradition is that this was written by John, son of Zebedee, who was probably from the house of Levi, the Levite tribe. He was not a Judean. So read it this way. When the Judeans from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, who are you? The governing structure of the province of Judea, the kingdom of Judea, uh, was distinct from uh, John would, uh, Essenes, for instance, would never consider themselves Judeans. We would consider themselves them Jews. But there's been 2,000 years of history intervening. So what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make, which is always good to understand, uh, buried in the midst of all of these obscure facts, the point I'm trying to make is that the 2,000 years of history and our relationship, which has been sometimes very shameful, with the community of people descended from Israel who live among us, the the, the when you read these things that seem anti-Semitic, understand that those 2,000 years, the historical reality has, has, I suppose the word would be ripened, unfolded, but the scriptures were written exclusively by people we would call Jews. Um, <clears throat> and they're not anti-Semitic. The only Gentile was probably St. Luke, was probably a Greek. Um this, they were talking about a political reality, the power structure of Judea, and it's very interesting. In the War Scroll of the of the of the uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls, they use the word Jew in exactly the same sense, and they were, of course, very Jewish, but they would have considered themselves from the tribe of Levi, and not from the tribe of Judah. You know, it is alarming to me uh, in the current context the revival of anti-Semitism. You know, I pray for an end to these wars, and no matter what your political bent is, these are horrible things that are going on. 
but they've gone on now these 3,000 years. And the only thing that will end them is true conversion of heart on the part of all participants. Um, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for all of the people on all sides of this horrible conflict. And we pray that rather than extend itself in the new year, it will end. And there will be some kind of justice. Uh, oh, gosh, I've gone long. I, I had an experience. And if there are any people of Jewish background or Palestinian background listening, <clears throat> this was a very informative uh, experience I had. I was in Bethlehem a few years ago, and I was literally being chased down the street by a person selling this ugly, ugly giant rosary of multicolored beads. And he is saying, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. And I turned and I looked at him and I said, you have everything in this country that we Americans love. You have beautiful beaches. You have religion. <laughs> if you could just get along, you'd all be rich. And he looked at me and he said, rich? I said, rich. And he thought for a moment and then he said, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. He would not step out of his, his the immediate uh, need to see the bigger picture. And I pray in this new year that that we all can see the bigger picture, that, that conversion of heart is is necessary for the peace of the world, and we need peace. So Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. Enough said. I, again, I, 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 I'm happily apolitical. If I had all the answers, I'd be more political, but I have none except the Scripture, so we'll stick to that. Happy New Year. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back with uh, letters. And uh, the phones are open at 888-914-9149. And I will not take political calls. I I don't do that. I'm not smart enough for that. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester. Father Simon says... Oh, I'm just complaining. It's what we old people do. On Relevant Radio. I'm back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly Jimson weed. Back, back on the airwaves again. <laughs> oh, after that grim and strange interpretation of Holy Scriptures, I got a joke. And, you know, there's so few, few jokes the clergy should tell. All right, there's this guy, and he's cleaning out the attic, and he finds an old suit coat. And, of course, he's going through the pockets to make sure there's nothing important in him. And he finds a stub from a shoe store that is 10 years old. And he's, gosh, I wonder if this place is still in business. So the next time he's in the city, he goes to the address and darned if the place is not still in business. And he goes in and he says to the guy, this is 10 years old. I'm just wondering if you still have these shoes, which I have completely forgotten about. I wonder if you still have this pair of shoes. And the guy looks at the stub and he goes in the back and he comes out and he says, yeah, they'll be ready Tuesday. I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, good grief. Let's move on to letters. 
Letters, where's the trumpet? There we go. This is appropriate for this question because Dylan asks me, do you mind sharing your interpretation of Amos 3.6? I never mind sharing an interpretation, no matter how wrong it may be. All right, uh, this is a witness against Israel from the prophet Amos. Does a bird land in a snare where no bait has been set? Uh, does a trap spring from the ground uh, when it has nothing to catch? In other words, you know, th- th- this is you're in real trouble. This isn't just, you know, this isn't just a, a kind of false alarm. Uh, the bird isn't going to land where there's no bait, and uh, the trap isn't going to spring unless there's some something in it. And if a ram's horn sound or if a trumpet sounds in the city, that's the interpretation or the the translation that. Uh, uh, Dylan is using, uh, if a trumpet sounds in the city, do people not tremble? In other words, they don't blow the shofar for no reason. It's either for a religious reason or to sound the, the call to arms. We're in trouble, man. Close the city gates. If calamity, now this is probably what, what uh, Dylan's worried about it. If calamity comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? Well, the word the word here in, in, in Hebrew is ra, and it means done. Has not the Lord done this, which is a little different than cause, but not that much different. This is a problem. Nothing touches us except with at least the permission of a father who loves us. This is one of the the hardest things for us who are raised on TV sitcoms, uh, um, uh, that everything is supposed to be resolved uh, with a laugh track in a half an hour sitcom. That's not the way God works. That God allows evil to prevent a greater evil. Seriously, I believe that's what's going on. Um, uh, God allows evil to 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 restrain a greater evil. Um, I think of the the uh, something that that I I, I I study it a lot. The Great American Holocaust, in which 90% of indigenous people in the Americas died. Uh, uh, the oppression of people <laughs> coming from Europe was pretty great. Uh, the, we can be proud as Catholics that the friars uh, tried to protect native people from the conquerors, but it was pretty grisly. But the vast majority <clears throat> of the people who died when Europe came to America, died from disease. There was no way to stop it. It would have happened eventually. But why would God allow that to happen? First of all, the Lord is the Lord of life. He made us. And to him, all are alive. So, well, why did he allow all those people to die? To him, none of them are dead. But he took them out. And I think we don't understand. Uh, You know, we have a tendency to look back on the Americas before the arrival of the Europeans as a place of great peace and sort of a natural paradise where human beings lived in in harmony with the land. It wasn't that way at all. It was constant war. And among the great empires, the Maya, the the Aztec, or better called the Mexica, and, and the, the, the Quechua-speaking people, and usually called the Inca, child sacrifice was rife. And there was a, a great ramping up in human sacrifice and child sacrifice shortly before the Spanish came. I think the guy's name was Tlac, Tlac, Tlac L. I, Tlac L. I can't remember the exact name. 
but it was a it was a priest who decided that we got to get more sacrifices for the gods, the gods of of the Mexica people. Um, they needed human blood to live, and uh, you know I'm not as as versed in the theology of the Andes, but it's just a horrible thing. And there came a point where it had to end. Now that sounds, people say, well, that just sounds racist. Oh no. They were pikers compared to us who sacrifice children repeatedly um, to placate our gods, our gods of consumption and beauty and youth and freedom, uh, freedom from care. I'm talking, of course, about abortion, the temples of, of Satan that are abortion clinics. Um, so, yes, God, the, it's called, most, most theological types call it the passive will of God. God allows these things to happen. And, you know, I personally believe uh, that God's justice and his mercy are the same thing. I pray for certain things. And I think I want these good things, but what I'm praying for isn't for my good. And ultimately, God, <laughs> I think God punishes us by giving us what we're praying for. Not what we think we're praying for, but what we're really praying for. And I look at that situation uh, in, in, in the Americas in 1491. And, and I think uh, all of those sacrifices offered on the altar... Those people were praying for their own extinction because they were content to extinct the peoples around them to keep blood flowing down the steps of their altars. Um, that's, again, I, I, I think that we have no concept of the horror of that system of religion and government. They waged war principally for finding sacrificial victims. And God said, if this is what you want, this is what you'll get. In his justice and in his mercy, he gave them what they were praying for, and he will give me what I'm praying for. And so frequently I pray for things that are detrimental to me. You've heard me say this before, that the prayer of the pagan is, give me what I want. The prayer of the believer is, Lord, I want this, but I trust you. And I would prefer above all that you give me what you want. Lord, teach me your ways. The prayer of the believer is, Lord, teach me your ways, not give me what I want. So that's what I think about it, uh, 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 Dylan. And, uh, well, boy, <laughs> I'm plenty there. Oh, by the way, there are plenty of lines open at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. What are we doing time-wise? All right. Let's go to another one. Let me Let me press button A, and now I'll go to... Let her be. All right. Okay. Um, this is from uh, Pam and John. Uh, that um, they they like what I talk about when I talk about the, the theme of beauty in the church, art, and architecture. Um, the the um, let's see. Oh yes, there's a. a, a a place called the Catholic thing. I I've never been to that website, so I can't recommend it, but there are pictures of Managua's old cathedral and the new one. Uh, I, I will have to go and look at that Pam and John. Thanks for your note. But you know, I, I think that, uh, beauty to me is one of the proofs for the existence of God. It's the sixth proof. Was it St. Thomas Aquinas had the five proofs for the existence of God? Well, beauty is the sixth one. Real beauty doesn't do anyone any good. 
I mean, a beautiful sunset. You know, uh, you know, we, we talk about human beauty. Well, that might have an evolutionary purpose, whatever that may be. But um, <clears throat> the real, uh, when you see something that's just beautiful, um, a sunset, uh, a, a beautiful view of a garden, what good does that do anyone? None. But it, it reminds us of the order and the beauty that God made, that he created us in a garden. So there you go. Thanks for the suggestion, Pam and John. I will have to look at that. Okay, let's see here. Okay, um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Say that again? What was that? No, it's uh, it's the cathedral in Managua, Nicaragua. We need to pray for Nicaragua. They're really persecuting the church down there. Okay, uh, the... Um, all right, let's see here. Okay. I have returned to my faith. This is from uh, Norma. I returned to my faith after a long time away. I stumbled across relevant radio and haven't stopped listening. So I made a decision to return. I began by going to Sunday Mass on Sundays. Then I include a weekday Mass. Then I added an hour of adoration, praying the rosary, going to confess. This is hook, line, and sinker. Praying the chaplet at 3 p.m. with Drew. I have the sacraments of baptism, first communion, confirmation, except we did not marry in the Catholic Church. We were married in the Assembly of God. Could you provide info in the CCC where I can find my answer? I don't know uh, um, the, the, uh, the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. That's the CCC. Uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church would answer it. I would just suggest you go to your pastor. And again, I, I think I've shared this letter, but it's worth sharing again. Um the the uh, we believe that in the Western Church that the bride and the groom are the ministers of the sacrament. What you have is an ecclesial witness, and there are circumstances where you don't have to have an ecclesial witness. Um, for instance, if you're on a desert island and you want to marry, and there's no clergy. In that circumstance, one could exchange the appropriate vows of marriage in front of whoever happens to be on the desert island with you. Uh, but in the normal circumstance, you must have a, a church witness, an ecclesial witness. That's what ecclesial means. It's a fancy schmancy word. You got to have a church witness, and that's normally priest or deacon or, or bishop. Um, and and um, what I would do is go to your parish priest and we're not, you know, we have a prejudice in the Catholic Church for marriage. And we assume that a marriage is valid. Uh, we don't count it as valid until it's proven to be valid. So I'm not saying that you can go to, to Holy Communion until you're married in, in, in the church sense. But it, what I'm trying to drive at is that so many people say, well, if we go get married in the Catholic Church, that means our, our life has been a lie. No, not at all. What we call it is a convalidation. We're, we're witnessing the validity of your relationship. And, and uh, uh, I think that, that that needs to be understood. It's not saying that this has been bad. The prejudice, in fact, is, is, is for the opposite. Uh, however, it is very important to understand that a marriage is a big thing. It isn't between a man and a woman. It's between a man, a woman, the community of believers, and the Lord. So 
Uh, again, marriage is, Jesus defines marriage as a relationship between man and woman. For this, a man leaves his mother and father and clings to his woman. That's what the word is in the text. So Jesus defines it as a relationship between a man and a woman, but it's a relationship that has wider implications. So I would urge you, uh, um, Norma, to go to your parish priest and say, how can I get this validated? If your spouse is hesitant about it, oh, we don't, we can't afford a wedding and all that. You can go and stand in front of the altar with two witnesses and a priest. Uh, you'd have to do the 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 paperwork to, uh, you know, to what we call it is it's what in the church we call a paperwork uh, case. In other words, it isn't um, it isn't a, a, an annulment. It's just um, uh, making sure that that people are free to marry and, and very simple to do. So I would I would talk to your parish priest and uh, again. That's my recommendation on these matters to most people, because he knows you and he cares about you and he'll do his best. God willing. All right. We are going to go to a brief break. We will come back with a word of the day. One that I just, I don't understand why they translate it the way they do, but they do. Okay. Network sponsor TimeBank can make remote account opening easy. No matter where you are in the country, they offer mobile and online banking and knowledgeable bankers that answer the phone. More information at time.bank. That's time.bank. Member FDIC. I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on shouting. going to shout. I'm too tired to say. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, Jesus saves. Thank goodness I have amplification with which to do it. All right, let's go to the word of the day. Give me a word. Any word, and I show you how the root of that word is Greek. It's true. It's true, at least in the Bible. Well, if you read the readings today for... Uh, the, the feast day, the memorial of Saints Basil and Gregory, um, the gospel was um, um, Matthew 23, 8, call no, do not be called rabbi. You have one teacher, you're all brothers. Okay. The word rabbi, rab means great and rabbi means my great one. That's really what it, it's essentially reverend. But it had the sense of a teacher because the word, you have one teacher, that word is didasklos, which is clearly teacher. And, of course, then call no one on earth your father. I always say, what are you going to call that man that married your mother? Uh, that that when people take this to a, a radical conclusion, uh, you can't even call your, your dad father. The title father is inappropriate. The relation father is real. That that when you're calling uh, your pastor, Father Father Jones, that's fine. If, what you're talking about is not a title, but a relationship. What Jesus is saying here is don't be proud of the titles. Be proud of the relationships. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. My being called father, if I don't realize that that's the relationship to which I'm called with this person who's seeking my spiritual uh, uh, paternity and guidance, um, then it just becomes an empty title. But it is very appropriate to call uh, um, the person who who 
is in that relationship, you're in that spiritual relationship. It's most appropriate to call him father. St. Paul calls himself a father to the Corinthians. It was I who begat you in Christ. Um, and then he says in the letter of the Ephesians, I, I fall on my knees to the father of Jesus from whom every fatherhood on earth takes its name. So Paul understood this, not to mean that you couldn't use that word, but Jesus is saying this is a, uh, to be father is a very humble thing. Uh, that, that if you're a real father, <laughs> you're humbled by your children. And then he goes on, this is the word that I really want to talk about. Do not be called master. The word is kathegetis, which means a leader. You have but one leader, the Christ. And this is, this is huge. Uh, there are so many people who would never think of calling uh, their pastor father, but they, they live in almost abject subjection to, to, well, the pastor said this, so it must be true that... Uh, no, don't call anyone your leader, a spiritual leader. Everyone's talking about spiritual leaders. No, you know, that, that, that I'm not a spiritual leader. I'm a spiritual follower, follower, God willing, of Christ. And to the degree that I follow Christ, I invite you to follow me. And when you find me not following Christ, ignore me. All right, that said, let us now go to phone calls. The phone is ringing. Dave from Austin, what can I do for you? Did we lose Dave? There is something the matter with your fin. That's true. Well, I, Dave asked the question, why did the Jews need permission from Pontius Pilate in order to kill Jesus? But Herod was able to kill John the Baptist. Herod was able to execute John the Baptist because he was, in fact, a Roman. He was genetically Middle Eastern, but he was fist in glove. I think that Herod, Herod, uh, got to be Herod Philip who who executed John the Baptist. He was raised in the palace in Rome. He was so fist in glove with the Romans that he was, in effect, part of the Roman government, whereas uh, the Pharisees were not. Uh, well, the Pharisees didn't kill Jesus. The Sadducees did. Uh, um, uh, they, they, they were not part of the, the Roman government, the Sadducees. They, they functioned in collaboration with them. And the Romans allowed you to apply your own law in your own country with some exceptions. You needed Roman permission for capital punishment. That's why. All right. Let's go to Nick from Chicago. Are you with us? Nick. I am. Hi. Good. What can I, I do uh, for you? Yes. Um, it, it's widely assumed that the uh, serpent in the Garden of Eden and um, Lucifer are one and the same. Yes. But does the Bible uh, clarify this? It does. Oddly enough, it clarifies it in the book of Revelation. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can find that. But yeah, it, 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 you don't get the absolute this is so until uh, uh, the book of Revelation. Is the serpent? Okay, I've almost got it. There, okay, click. All right, Revelation 22. Uh, verse chapter 20, verse two, he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Revelation, the 20th chapter, the second verse. Does that answer your question? Hmm. Well, not entirely. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it, it, what you just read doesn't, doesn't clarify that. You, you use the word dragon, right? Not serpent or? No, the serpent is in there. Serpent is quite in there. He sees the dragon, the, that ancient serpent who is the oh. devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Does mention the okay. serpent. 
There you go. Okay. okay. Can you can you see why I was a little vague on that? Or sure. I mean, that doesn't answer the, till the end of the book, which is somehow appropriate. <laughs> there you go. It's like a good mystery story. There you go. Well, may all your questions be so simply answered. I'm amazed. God Thank bless you, you Nick. Thank you. Let's go. Let's go to Joe from Minneapolis. Can can uh, Joe? What can I do for you? Well, Jesus, Father, um, I know I should make it short. My my wife was at music practice, and all of a sudden, the music minister she said, "Can you can you help us witness?" And it just so happened that a couple came, and we're having I'm not sure the technical term, but the marriage blessed in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and they didn't even bring their own witnesses. <laughs> so oh, was, no, no, you don't have to. No, no, we'll provide them if you need. I know that was kind yeah. of cool. So okay, and yeah. this is this is a stump Father Simon question. So if if uh, we are in relationship with our guardian angels, and so can our guardian angels talk to someone who's in purgatory? Is there guardian angels? Do they follow them all the way? So I was told that they go all the way up to heaven at some point. I I would think so. The the problem here is in <laughs> the word in because. If you read about purgatory in the Catholic Catechism, it's more a process than a place. I, I identify purgatory with judgment. You know that that um, uh, the judgment when we stand before the light of God, everything in me that isn't light and love will be burned away. And uh, uh, you know the judgment. Uh, people I know have died and lived to tell about it say they experience all the pain they caused, and. My assumption is that, yes, that guardian angels don't abandon us ever and that we continue in relationship to them in a certain sense as part of the family of faith when we get to heaven after we're done with judgment and purgatory. So, yeah, they, we, we, we don't lose any relationships. They intensify. That's my suspicion. Does that help a little, Joe? I think that's an A-plus in my book. <laughs> well, thank, you, thank you, thank you. I got so few of them in my education. Well, God bless, Joe. Oh, Thanks for listening. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not going to talk about it. All right. God bless, Joe. Thanks for listening. Let's go to Maria from Queens, New York. What can I do for you? Good afternoon, Father Simon, and Happy New Year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm calling to just um, get your advice, Father Simon. I live in a um, two-family home, and um, I happen to get into the my neighbor's, um, you know, area of the house, and I notice that uh, you know there are offensive pictures on the wall, mm-hmm. offensive to the Lord, so to speak. So mm-hmm. uh, I just want to ask your advice on how. I can approach the situation like I simple. I am really it's very simple. Get as close as you can to that area of the house and say the rosary. Uh, I remember hearing a story of uh, some guys in college uh, who were in a prayer group, and there was another bunch of guys who were having seances, and and they would go to the next room and simply sit and pray and ruin the seances. So just say your rosary uh, or say a rosary. Uh, in in the area close to that. I wouldn't confront them with it. That's only going to make them want to get more. I would say the rosary. 
That's what I okay. would do. And you'll be amazed so at how quickly it will change. If we stay on our side of the house and pray our oh, rosary, sure. that, is, that is okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. You're not okay. going to be influenced by that. Uh, I remember okay. hearing the story of a, of a person who worked witchcraft who, who somebody asked, do these curses really work? I said, oh, yeah, except they don't work very well against Chris practicing Christians because they have a little cross marked on their forehead, which you received in baptism. If you remain in a state of grace, you're protected. You have a great protection, and the rosary is a powerful weapon in this. You may change them. So that's what Thank I you, would Father. recommend. God bless Thank you, Father. Maria. I'll be that praying is very, for you. very comforting. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Deborah from from Washington, Delaware. What can I do for you, Deborah? Actually, it's Wilmington. Father, you mentioned that, oh Wilmington. Uh, that, uh, oh dear. <laughs> you mentioned that you mentioned that Christians are grafted in. I have yeah. uh, evangelical friends who tell me that specific land was promised by God to Jews. But if you take Ephesians three six and Galatians three twenty nine. We are heirs to all of the promises. So wouldn't this kind of make the land promises um, something that people shouldn't be fighting over? Oh, they definitely shouldn't be fighting over. If God gives you the land, he's going to give it to you. <laughs> you don't have to take but it. I think it's important. Everybody. He gave it to everybody. Who <laughs> well, yeah, we're, in, we're grafted right? in. We're grafted in. And, and uh, you know, the, the, that land, has, it's important uh, for us, is a pilgrimage site. I mean, it really is important to us. The, the the scenes of our Savior's life are there, but yeah, that that idea that that um, you know, I would quote to them uh, uh, letter the Hebrews. Uh, okay, we have more perfect promises. I would say, uh, okay, Hebrews eight six, uh, but in fact, the ministry Jesus received is superior. To theirs, as the covenant of which the, his, his mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. Hebrews eight six, and remind them that that the land was not promised to the Jews; it was promised to Israel, of whom they are but a twelfth part. You know the modern state of Israel again. I do not think it fulfills that biblical promise of the ingathering of Israel. What its relationship is, I don't know. And uh, I again, I pray for peace. I, I, as I said to that Muslim trader, that that uh, if you could just get along, you'd all be rich. And uh, the tragedy is that no one seems to be able to see that. But yeah, Hebrews eight six, we have better promises. Uh, the the covenant with Israel has not been canceled. It has been improved upon by the covenant with Christ. And uh, we we receive not just a land in, in a, a dry place, we receive heaven. So that's what God gives us in the new covenant. Speaking of better promises, Drew is coming up. And, well, wonderful promises made with the Divine Mercy Chaplain. 